Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Those Uno, we are live again with the Next Level Show. We're happy Memorial Day because this episode will actually drop on the actual day. Is it Memorial Day or Labor yeah, Day? Today is okay. Memorial Day. I, I'm so bad with these holidays. I I never know which one is which, but happy Memorial Day, everyone. Happy, happy. From the next level show. So today, yeah. uh, you know, we're gonna be mainly covering in this episode for the people that are coming on that want to know where this episode's going. Um, if you don't already, check out this timestamps that Mike does for each episode and then like if you guys we talk a lot of random stuff at the beginning so if you kind of want to get into the meat of the episode mike will guide you uh ever so nicely in this at the bottom of each episode you'll see every timestamp of where we start the conversation but we're going to covering basically some regressions for certain exercises for anyone doesn't mean if you're it doesn't matter if you're advanced but especially if you're someone that's also new that you're coming into the gym coming back after the quarantine or it's been a while or you're trying to have some more variety in your routine there's a lot of different options for each body part that obviously all of us work with a lot of the everyday person so we know the the complexity of certain movements that require a little bit more attention and or maybe just you have not every exercise is made for that person in that particular moment so we understand that so our goal with this episode is simply to give you a lot of golden nuggets where maybe at the end we have give everyone will kind of chime in and give a basic general routine that can be applied and you can kind of get some structure back into your life coming back after such a long time of being away from the gym atmosphere um how are you guys doing how was your guys' weekend i know it was like a lot of rain over here yeah, lots of rain, but it's been amazing. Why? Because back in the gym. So it just <laughs> feels great. It feels awesome. Getting back into get, get back into some type of a, a more of a, a structured routine. You know, get up in the morning. I, I prefer to train in the morning, um, but I'll probably train at whatever time. Um, I just like that. And it, it, it's just been great. So just getting up and going. And um, it's just it's filled a void that was, uh, was empty for too long. Yeah, my... Uh... I, I agree. It is nice, even if the rain. Um, my my glutes are fried right now. Um, I did lunges on Saturday, and I may have gone a little bit overboard with it. And they, they're like they're they're tender. It's it's an, it, it's nice though. I mean, I'm not complaining. I've been going um just about damn near every single day, and just you know just very little, anywhere from like 20 to 30 minutes or so is where I started. Um, I'm wrapping up and on the time and the intensity and even the duration of, of, of each workout. And it's, um, it's, it's going good. Funny enough, like I, so I know where my main issues are that I need to address even before this whole thing happened, my lower half. I know that it's, uh, it's lagging for me or for what I consider it to be, you know, I would like to, to, to bring it up. And I've been mainly every single workout just focusing on some type of either squat or a deadlift or some variation. And, um, I feel as if though what I'm more sore of is actually the, the parts that I feel are more overdeveloped, like for instance, my chest or my traps or my shoulders um, uh, in comparison to the rest of my body. So funny enough, but I still try to take it slow, try to take it easy, but it's been great um, weather aside. Yesterday was a whole damn you know, rain pour, but uh, it's been great. How are you, how you doing, Jonathan? Um, pretty good. A weekend was overall well. Um, I was kind of trying to plan a workout for Friday, but didn't follow through just because Thursday evenings, I've been going back. This is my second week back to playing 
uh, pickup soccer in this indoor facility that we have in the city, which is pretty nice. Um, it's, it's good feeling. I, 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 for the people that don't know, I played a lot growing up and I stopped playing as consecutively when I started getting into lifting, just because I kind of shifted my obsession or focus towards trying to be the best in, in just the weight room and everything. So you lose a lot of the agility. So right there, I get my ass handed to me by these younger kids. I remember when I was that age, when I was lighter, more agile, I practice a lot more, still kind of show them up a little bit. Cause I just kind of use now my 20, 30 pounds extra that I like to just push them around and stuff. But, um, I had a glory moment, but also a, a very sad moment. And I think Mike also saw me that that day on Friday where he, I came in and I looked like, I got, I, I look like I aged, you know, 70 years over a day, just because I, I scored a goal, which is, makes it all worth it. Um, I scored a goal, but as I'm scoring the goal, the, the loser of the other team came over and I just came and whacked my leg as I shot the ball left. It's kind of tilt, like twisted my hip and my upper body stayed stiff. So I, I felt like I, after that, like after I cooled off and I went home, I felt like my hip super super tight it's almost like i had pulled a muscle or something the next day i woke up i couldn't put my socks on with ease i literally was spending like five minutes just trying to put on that sock on my right leg it was bad i got i was pretty tweaked i, I just don't recover or bounce back from these from these pickups anymore like i used to it kind of shows that i'm I have to really try to take care of myself, stretch, prime, all that stuff, because I just can't hop on the field and go 100%. Because it's a different adaptation. That's, that's right. Was he aiming like for the ball, or was he just trying to give you a cheap shot or something? Um, I think he was aiming for the ball, but the ball was already shot, so it was like my leg that was left, and it was like a very tight angle. The, I mean, I, I saved the team. We tied up the game. We didn't lose. So I felt like that's why I say it was a glorious moment, but at the same time, I was really sad because like I'm like, I didn't show any pain. I don't show pain to these kids because they could have dead gave me the biggest dead leg, but you will not know that you hurt me. Like I will not show you that or give you that satisfaction. But when I went in my car, I was like, Oh God. And I was, <laughs> I was just limping home. And like when I was getting in the house, but you good now. I'm good now. It, it literally bounced back in about a day or two. So luckily it wasn't anything serious. I was, I've been really watching a lot of avatar, the last airbender on Netflix great show i can't wait for mike to watch it because i know he's gonna love it have you watched avatar uh no. gabe no yeah you weren't part of that generation I man uh, i mean i i remember when it came when it came out but i was not about that. i hear it's good though. i hear, I hear really it's good. really really good it's like it's on nickelodeon brings me back to my like high school years when it was on tv but now i can watch it without any breaks that i would watch it and i'd be missing episodes here and there it but it's there? an it's a fantastic show what's up all of it is all of it there yeah it's only three seasons not that long but it's a it's it's a good story i like it it's cool it has a lot of like little life things there and has little nuggets i'm i'm halfway done with uh seven deadly sins and then it'll be avatar yes i haven't watched seven deadly sins i heard it's a lot of good for the people that love anime i feel like we talk a lot about anime for and i'm not someone that knows that much about it yeah i just know a few things here and there so by any means we're not anime experts no, i'm very basic I, i'm like i think like the first anime that i saw where anime style was um street fighter 2 the anime there's an anime know. for that yeah, yeah i didn't even know that oh it was, it was wow. really it was really cool i know the games so let me age myself again 
So when I saw it, it was on a VHS cassette. Wow. So <laughs> it tells you how far, how far back it was. It's really good. If you guys haven't seen it, I would probably, I would urge you to see it. I'll see where it is. And you were in college. <laughs> yes, I was in college. I had just got out. You know, speaking I, of... I, I don't even know when the, when the hell I was. Um, I wanted, obviously, I would think before that. I don't know. You were in high I'll, school. I'll try to find it. I'll try to, I'll try to send it to you guys. The, uh, sp- speaking of VHS, my, my roommate just uh, came back from visiting his dad. Um, and apparently his dad had a, uh, a supply of like Star Wars memorabilia. So wow. Malik being the, uh, the intelligent human that he is, he either snagged it or bought it off of his dad. But he came back with a bunch of Star Wars stuff from like, mm-hmm. uh, like decades ago, I guess. But he has a original edition VHS of the, uh, the original trilogy. So it's not altered in any way. Mm. which may not be like super exciting to any of you or anybody that's listening. But to me, that's super cool because they've gone through and like digitally remastered star Wars so many times that the, there, there's a lot of things that are, that are different or modified. So the, the oh. original version is now in my house. I just need a VHS to be able to watch. Oh. The exciting part to me about that is more like uh, how much you can get for it. That too. I don't know that he's necessarily looking at it that way. I'm not. No, I know I'm it is valuable, me. but it's more of like a very interesting because I haven't seen Star Wars like that. You know, with like the the old school graphics where it was like hand drawn and like all these these things back before they like turned Jabba the Hutt into a a a, a fucking what's what is he a like a slug type thing? Mm. I don't even know if he was a human back then. Like that's the thing. He was a he was a human for the original shot, but I don't know if it actually aired. Because it's been so long mm. since I've seen it, I have no, no clue what it was, even at that point. So I have I, I'm gonna ask because I know my mom has like a bunch of old VHS, but like a box of my old movies. I've never watched Star Wars. I've never watched for the people that are listening. I've never watched Star Wars. I've never watched the Harry Potter movies. I've never watched oh the God. Lord of the Ring movies, and. In my defense, Star Wars not being part of it, because I did own Star Wars. I had like the original cassettes, and it was like when they had already came out with the the little collection box. It was like a little box of the VHS. I just never got into it. I was about five years old, or like uh, about six years old when I got that, but I just never got to watching it. Um, I didn't appreciate it. I guess you can say no one. My my parents weren't into it or anything, so I guess that didn't help. But in my defense. Everyone's telling me I need to watch it. I think they're available now on Disney Plus to watch. Mm-hmm. At least I can get I and I know everyone says that it's worth it. So I'm gonna dedicate some time and just sit there and be able to focus and watch it and just I don't know. There's so many now that it's like loses me. Uh Mike, would you uh advise starting from episode one or the original trilogy? I have a controversial answer and then I have the answer that I usually do with anybody that's new. Uh, if you want to do it the cool way, I would say watch episode four, five, and then go back to one, two, three, Mm. and then jump to six. So at the end of five, there's a major plot twist. And then at that point you quit in Tarantino, that bitch, go back to the beginning, get all the backstory and then come to six for the, the grand finale. Mm. Um, and then I have still not decided about how I feel about the sequel trilogy. So I'm going to leave that one just off the menu for now. 
you're going to have to write this out like in a specific structure. Like it's almost like a workout plan. I got to follow the phases. (laughs) But Um, really, what do you, what do you think, Gabe? uh, I like that. I like that. I, I, I didn't, that didn't cross my mind. I thought it was either, you know, starting from episode one, two, mm-hmm. three, four, five, six, or do four, five, six, one, two, three. But I like it. I like your uh, suggestion. Better. Yeah. I, I think it is difficult for people to start at one, two, and then three, and then go to four, five, six. It's a drastic change, you know, yeah, going yeah. from seventies and eighties graphics or going from like early two thousands graphics back to the 70s real quick like it gets a little weird plus the the, the quality of the uh the lightsaber battles and the, and the spaceship battles and all that stuff the graphics everything it's just on a different uh different level but it, well, it can be part, a the, the main thing for me is i, I really didn't like episode one really yeah. oh man it, 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 no. i guess i'm gonna you're gonna you we're gonna have to make a next level like movie night where you guys like sit me down because knowing my ass, I'm gonna be texting if I get like an interested or something and I'm gonna like lose the, yeah. Uh, I have to literally be structured. We could probably grill some food and probably just make it like where it's like, there's an event around it so I can appreciate. I mean, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a day, bro. You can, you yeah, can do, you can do one through six in a day. And I mean, like you gotta start at like five or six in the morning and you'll, oh. you'll finish late at night. <laughs> That's six full feature get, films, me, dude. At least get me through like the first three and I think I'll be down. And then I'll right. kind of, I'll, I, once I get into the rhythm and I understand there's like some substance there, I'll, I'll probably buy into it. It's just that in my defense too with Harry Potter, dude, like I was I like the not, yeah, like the non-cool kid. My little fun fact, my parents were like just getting into like, you know, going to church and stuff. And at that time, Disney and Harry Potter were were Satan and I could not watch it because it would rot my brain and that was the gist of it and I just grew up and never saw it so I go to like the theme parks and I don't know really any jokes or references of those movies and I'm someone that loves movies so maybe now that I'm a a grown adult my parents can't tell me what to do I can watch it now in peace wait Disney too what's up Disney too at one point, I watched a lot of Disney for a long time. That that I did watch a lot growing up. But then at one point in my life, I just remember that this person, and I don't know who in my family did this to me, and they just ruined all my childhood. And they literally, my parents took, my well, my dad mainly, took all my cassettes away, dude. And I could never, like, watch Disney for the longest time. Eventually now, like, after a while, like, it's, you're you're older, who cares? But yeah, dude, I, it kind of like, it was like a really big wrench in my childhood. I missed out on Pokemon. I missed out on, I, I had just gotten into Pokemon. I lost Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh. I lost all that in my childhood. But oh, well, Real quick, I love Yu-Gi-Oh. That was, that was my jam. I don't know much <laughs> about it. it. I heard it was cool, man. I heard it was a lot of cool stuff and I missed out. So therefore, you know, I did. That's probably why I'm like, obsessed with fitness, who knows? <laughs> We took it. We took a deep dive into nerd culture real quick. Just a, a hard right in. It's fantastic. I think Maybe I've offended all the nerds. I've given all the the nerds like uh, an aneurysm, and they're all like, <laughs> just like in shock. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and bust this out real quick. It's right up here. I don't even have to reach for it. What is that? Yeah. What is it? Wow. For the listeners, Mike just whipped out his uh, binder. Charizard, baby. With all the Pokemon. <laughs> That's awesome. It's within reaching distance. 
at all times. All right, so let's dive into some fitness, shall we? Oh, that's right. This is a fitness yeah, show. We are, we are primarily a health and fitness show, but we threw in the life at the beginning. So we're right after going to change our description on the podcast. No, but on, on a serious note with a lot of, it's been my second week back in the gym working with some people and then also just, a, you know, signing up some new clients that are ready to kind of take their health and fitness now more serious and they want more structure and guidance. I don't know about you guys, but I know that it's very challenging for most people that maybe are deconditioned. And we know that the, 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 the ver, uh, how much things can vary is drastic from person to person. That's why I'm not even a big fan of group classes because I know that person A, in person B can be the similar age, similar goals, but their bodies move very differently. So what I wanted to do and kind of give the listeners was some, some good applicable exercises for each, like maybe lower body, back, chest, or like maybe lower body and upper body, we can divide it. However, how would we would kind of construct or some exercise they could do that maybe they can't do a full barbell squat heavy because we know that that takes some time, practice, skill, stability, all that, you know, what are some stuff that they can start doing now, now that they're going back to the gym. So they don't want to injure themselves or, or add more of a solidified poor movement pattern to their current movement. I personally like have found that starting them at maybe a couple times a week, you know, two to three times a week, if they're really, really out deconditioned for 30 minutes is usually a good starting point for a lot of people and 30 and people will be like, well, that's just 30 minutes. That's not a lot. But if you're literally starting from scratch again, you'll be surprised that with a couple movements, you don't need that much, especially the ones that we're going to list off. Um, I know Mike's been like seeing a lot more people now because I was there and he was signing up, you know, a couple more clients last week. Congratulations. But what are some common things that you're going to start seeing, you know, that you would kind of walk someone that sits down with like, that's your first session with them. What are some go-tos for you, Mike? Um, I definitely want to see a squat. Uh, as you mentioned, the, you kind of just pulled that up as a generic, but that's definitely what I'm looking for. I mean, I, I feel like that's, one of the more applicable, probably the most applicable thing um, that you do in a gym, uh, be it a barbell squat or a goblet squat or some, even just a body weight. I mean, we all do a squat every day when we sit down on the toilet and then stand back up. I mean, it's something to that effect, but um, that's definitely one that I always look for. And I also get a lot of good information out of watching somebody do their squat. Um, but as far as, you know, throwing them onto a squat rack and loading up the bar and doing all that, I mean, I've seen so many people do it now. You can have a perfect body weight squat. Uh, and as soon as you put the bar on your back, it kind of throws everything out of whack, especially an empty bar for some reason. You know, if you put a little bit of weight on there, it kind of helps balance in some way. But um, so optimally, you know, brand new person, assuming no knee or hip things that we need to work through. Um, I, I'm going to start somebody off with a goblet squat, which is holding the weight on the front side of your body, maybe with like a kettlebell and holding it nice and close uh, to, to your sternum uh, with your elbows nice and underneath the weight. So you're not flaring your arms out or anything, create a little column underneath that weight. And then um, sometimes I'll have them use a bench as a marker for depth, depending on how tall the person is, of course. 
Um, and then from there, I mean, I, I just kind of watch for things that I need to correct. You know, typically it's knees coming in or you get the rare person that goes up on their tippy toes or their feet are too close. Uh, there's, there's several things that come to mind, but um, I like the goblet squat mostly because it teaches you to keep your chest up. Um, having the weight on the front of your body, it, it kind of gives you that mental cue of like holding the weight up and you actively have to resist that. Uh, from pulling you forward. So that kind of helps you get into the groove of keeping your chest upright as you descend into a squat. I have a, a video that I made a, a couple weeks ago with the goblet squat because I love teaching that one. I love that as a, even if you're advanced to throw that as more volume or a variation of a squat, it's very easy to teach. And it's very easy for someone starting out with the squat to kind of understand certain important uh, squatting cues and it's very safe ultimately you don't have you don't hold always tremendous amounts of weight with you know because you're limited to in a certain point you know with how much you can physically hold on into your hands and it's a great I love how uh, Mike goes ahead and, and he can cue it even through a podcast he cues it very well where I'm able to really like get a good picture of what that looks like but what I can do is I can share the one that I made I can put it on the next level uh, IG page so people can see that one. I do a kind of a breakdown of the form and I'll go ahead and make, make just, I'll make a note of it for myself to share uh, when this episode drops later today. And that way you guys can check, get a visual for what that looks like. And I, I like that one for the, the goblet, Gabe, you were had one. Yeah. No, well, no, just to kind of, uh, to piggyback off of Mike, what I, the cue that I liked what you say right there was making sure using the goblet squats to help you to keeping the chest up. Because I find like, even if you have someone just try to during a squat assessment of just a body weight squat, they, they can get lower. And the way that they think that they're getting lower is by folding at the, at the waist and bringing yep. their chest down. And I'm just like, well, I mean, like, you know, in your head, you're like, okay, I want to get lower. I can't get lower because of my hip or my ankle mobility. So I'm going to just bring my chest all the way down, basically, so that the way their chest is touching their thighs. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that's not ideal. So I, I like that cue for that one in particular, for, for that reason. Um, I typically start them with, um, if I have them just try body weight, just to kind of see where they're at. And then I try to start with a lunge first, uh, a stationary lunge. Um, but I like, uh, and then I, and then I progress to the goblet squat for that reason of keeping the chest up. I feel like even when we're, when I'm doing like a lunge, they still tend, uh, some people still tend to lean forward a bit too much. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a good, uh, a good fix for that. You were going to say something, John? No. Yeah. I think that the lunge is also a fantastic movement just because the lunge itself, you can go, you can train someone in many different planes. I think the the lunge is one of my favorite uh, movement. Essentially, a lunge, all it is for the listeners is you have one foot in front of you, one foot back, and you're kind of in a split stance. Your back leg is on its tippy toe, and in the front leg, ideally, you want it nice and flat. And all you would usually come down is come down straight down to a point where you're limited. You don't necessarily have to bang your knee against the ground. But what you're trying to aim for when you're doing a proper lunge is not standing in like, don't imagine like you're on a your step you're standing on a on a rope on a straight line because this is what gives a lot of people that wobbly i see a lot of people revert to almost like they're they're balancing they revert to that and that's where the lunge may feel a little bit challenging i always tell someone imagine like you're in a neutral stance 
and all you're doing is sliding one foot back that way you instantly have a lot more stability and balance and when you come down you just want to make sure that you're not dropping down you're in good control so the lunges are great body weight you can add some resistance you can add a bar on your back you there's many ways of regressing it and progressing it and if you're really bad at balance maybe you're someone that's really has hasn't been doing this at all and it's your first time you can also use a stick a broomstick or uh, any type of bench that's next to you a bar that you can kind of kind of balance on the opposite side which is a great way to to regress i think the goblet squat is amazing but it also does require some skill and some already good squatting mechanics so the lunge i think is a lot um, more regressed in some ways and can be progressed of course another one that comes to mind feeding off of gabe's is a bulgarian split squat i like this one for correctional purposes but it's also a great muscle building exercise the reason i like it for correctional reasons is i wouldn't load that movement and a lot of times i would even actually tell someone to use a stick and what i like about it is because we all have pretty much imbalances on either leg up from the ankle to the hips so i like the bulgarian because it allows you just to focus so much on that front leg that's getting worked and for just to give the the listeners a visual it's where it looks like a lunge but it's where you have one leg you're standing on balancing the back leg instead of being on the floor it's elevated on some type of bench or a pad where you're basically all the weight is on the front leg and when you come down you can really if you have a good coach he's going to be able to pick apart how your ankle is stabilizing also with your knees. You don't want your knees to keep caving in. I did make a video for that one as well. It helped a lot of people. So I may go ahead and share that as well for, for our listeners to be able to have a takeaway visual and you can save it and you can apply it to your uh, lower body exercises. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to just say that I really like using that uh, a Bulgarian foot squat. Uh, one thing that I, that I find that it's... Um, more individual to, to, to the person is just their setup. Uh, sometimes when I have someone start doing that, they either set up either too close or too far. If they, if they set up where their feet are way too far apart, then they'll feel like a really, you know, not always stretch, like in their right, uh, is it like in their groin area? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having that video that you kind of like talked about, I think I, I remember seeing it, it's, it's good for, for someone to pair, pair it with this episode to um, get the right cues to kind of uh, to, to set them up in the right way. One thing that I was going to say that I like doing with either a lunge or a, or a Bulgarian split squats, I use this with one client before that they, um, they were excessively like uh, their, their knees were caving in. Mm-hmm. I put up a foam roll. So they were on, their left foot was forward, their right foot was elevated. I put a foam roller to the left of her left foot, so right on the outside of her pinky, and I said, okay, just try to uh, maintain contact with this or, or try to look at it just to, and not create more distance between your knee and the foam roller. And that kind of like helped her a lot because um, uh, and the way I got to the bottom of it as to why she was excessively uh, bullying in her, le- her knees is that um, she said that she was taking yoga classes and there was one pose where they had their feet close together. And then I think the instructor was saying just to kind of like press your knees together as you're squatting down. And for some reason, I'm not too sure as to why. Because but, yoga. Because um, yoga. Well, yeah. 
I'm not too sure. I, I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a yoga coach, so I wouldn't know exactly what pose exactly they were going for, but this yeah. is what she communicated to me. And um, we worked on it for quite a while, and that was one of the tools that we used. I used that. I also used, like, you know, just um, uh, some hips, some bands um, uh, around the, right above her, her knees, and using those two tools together, it kind of helped for her to correct her, um, her squat, and she's uh, much better now. Um, no, I think that's phenomenal. I think it's just going to vary from person to person. The biggest cues I think for low, for any type of knee movement, like knee dominant movement where your knees flexes and that's like a squat, a lunge or anything like that, your knee flexes a lot. So we, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible and explaining what that looks like. Um, they usually cover a bulk of the leg, but you're getting a lot is the front of the leg working as well. But the main things you want to look for is that your knees don't cave in and that your heels don't come off the floor. Those are the main two things that you want to pay attention to. Obviously, there's other moving parts, but those are the main things when it comes to a knee flex, knee dominant movement. Now, the other part of the lower body that people have struggled with, and I know that it's challenging even to teach sometimes, is any type of hip dominant movement where you're hinging like a deadlift or a single leg deadlift or a Romanian dumbbell deadlift. There's many variations of deadlifts. Um, the ones I don't, re I don't take a lot of people straight to a deadlift because it, one, it requires, depending on the gym that you're at, you don't have the the proper setup for height and all that. I love to teach the hip hinging motion by doing uh, single leg deadlifts primarily just to see where what side is stronger it's not super heavy with the hinge but it allows someone to really get connected to their hamstrings which then i can probably take them on to the other progressions but a single leg deadlift you can do you can just do a single leg toe touch where you're balancing on one leg the the leg that you're balancing on stays firm the back leg, I like to kind of almost keep it straight back like I'm doing a kickback in a way as I'm descending down. I don't want to round my, my upper back. I want to keep my chest uh, pretty tall and reach down for my toe. And as I'm doing that, my goal is to focus on a little bend in my leg that's staying steady and chasing the stretch in the back of the leg of the where that's essentially where your hamstrings at it's a phenomenal movement that's going to teach you a lot of balance obviously the regression if you have poor balance is any using again a broomstick or anything to stabilize to get to the point where you can do it with no balance and stability this is a phenomenal movement to work your glutes work your hamstrings and build some stability uh, Mike, I don't want to take all that because I, I know Mike loves, he's Mr. Deadlifts. <laughs> I hope to one day be known by that name. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely enjoy the deadlift. And just like you, there, it's a very rare occasion where I actually am like, okay, you can deadlift today, you know, day one. Um, I think maybe that's happened once or twice. And it's with people who I ran through proper tests to make sure that they understand the concept of a hip hinge and not just bending at the the spine and picking it up with your with your uh your spine so uh the movement that i the movement that i like to use um is a romanian deadlift actually and usually i won't even do that with a a bar at first maybe we'll use like a stick or some light dumbbells and when i say stick i mean like a broomstick um but i actually i like to teach this one using a bench. So if you were to set yourself standing right next to a bench where your the, the back of your calf is in contact with the bench and you get your feet uh, about hip width apart and your toes pointing straight forward, I like to use that bench as a little bit of a 
like a tangible guide for you so that you can understand the concept of what we're doing. So essentially what you are doing in a hip hinge movement is sliding your hips back, almost like there's a, a rope around your waist, somebody's behind you pulling it. Um, so when you're going through this, you get your feet set up and your calves touching the bench and then begin sliding your hips back with that rope being pulled. It's almost like just poking your butt out. Um, from there, you are keeping your shoulders back and your chest as tall as you can while also bending at the waist. So you're not going to be perfectly upright. Um, from there, you're going to start feeling your hamstring stretch. And once you can't really get your butt going any further back, that's where you return back to the starting position of standing up perfectly tall and squeezing your butt at the, the top of the, the movement. Um, and then the bench serves the purpose of keeping you aware of what your knees are doing. So your knees will bend during a motion like this, but only by virtue of keeping your, your calves vertical. So if you were to go through this motion and you feel that the bench is no longer in contact with your calves, then that means your knees are now moving forward and you're starting to kind of get into more of a squat than you are a hip hinge, maybe a little bit of both, but. Another thing that you can tell right away, I just to like add to that point is that you, if you feel it too much in your quads, when you're doing a, a Romanian deadlift with dumbbells or body weight, you're, you're, you're using too much of your knees, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the knees coming forward is probably going to be what's most people probably agree that it's, it's quad dominant when your knees start to travel forward. Um, like I said, your knees are bending, but it's almost like they're, they're, bending because they're soft. You're not locking them out. Um, you just want them to be able to move naturally. The main focus is on what your hips are doing. And I really like drive home the point of like, you're just poking your butt out, poke your butt out as hard as you can, as far back as you can. Um, you're going to be driving through the heels. So try not to like, you definitely want to keep your whole foot on the ground, but, um, the emphasis is not on the toes. It's on the heels. Basically you want flaccid knees is what he's saying. Yes. Um, another, I'm sorry, I could go on and on about this. I don't want to like steal the, uh, the deadlift topic. Uh, no, no, please. We, we, oh, we want to hear that. Um, oh. but before you continue, let me just get in my, 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 my little thing here. Um, I like your, your cue, uh, Jonathan about the, the legged, um, toe touch, because if you were to not bend at the waist and hip hinge properly, you're going to tip forward. So you're going to be off balance. So it kind of like forces you in order to complete this movement, you, you have to hinge at the waist, where, which is the goal of what we're trying to teach. Um, what I'd like to do, even if, if I regress that even further, I actually have someone standing about a foot or so away from the wall. And I tell them same, same cues as kind of like we're all, we're all talking about for, with, the, with the soft bend at the knees. And I tell them, have your butt touch the wall. And they, you, you would have to have that hip hinge movement in order for your butt to touch the wall. So it kind of like sounds weird at first, but after a couple of tries, um, they get it. And then after they were able to successfully, you know, hinge at the hip of what we're trying to do, then I take them to the single leg toe touch. And then I, prog I, I, I progress that even further. So I, I like that. Um, but, but go ahead, no, Mike. You're gonna, I, you're gonna well, I actually wanted to add before giving it back to Mike was also things to keep in mind. We talked about don't you don't want to be feeling it too much in your quads, the front of your thighs, and you also don't want to be feeling it too much in your lower back. 
um, cause I know a lot of times people will trying to keep their chest too high. They start to kind of arch their upper back and it almost looks like they're, they're sticking their butt out like the Kim Kardashian stance. So you definitely want to avoid that cause it's going to put a lot of stress in your low back. So just to keep, just to, you know, Mike does a good analogy of like someone wrapping a rope around your waist and they're pulling you back. It's going to fold you forward. You kind of want to follow that as your main focus. Don't think about as you dropping your chest down as a, as a leading point, you want to almost imagine like your hips are coming back or what I even told people, it's almost like someone's karate chopping you in the waist. They're folding you in half. It's going to shoot your hips back. And um, that's one analogy I do. And also if they're, if they're really struggling to kind of cue it, I kind of have them step a little bit away from the wall and they have a wall right behind them. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll, cause a lot of times like they don't want people don't want to stick their hips back because they feel like they're going to fall. And if you have a wall there to kind of cue, usually you'll, you will be, you'll mentally be able to kind of get yourself into the proper position I found. So I won't have them stand away too far away from the wall. I'll kind of have them semi bend their knees and kind of sit on the wall a little bit where they can kind of touch it. They're not super far away step maybe one or two steps away from the wall. And then all I tell them is I want you to stick your butt back as if you're touch, you're trying to reach for that wall behind you. And what they'll find is that they'll start to shift their weight back. And usually they're close enough where they can just tap it. And then they know they've hit. And I ask them, can you feel it in your hamstrings? And nine out of time, nine out of 10 times, the client, you know, is that able to activate their hamstrings and they're getting the hip hinging motion back and forth where they don't longer need the wall. I know Gabe's like, what? No, I'm like, that's what I said. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I, <laughs> just, <laughs> that's what I'm like, I just said that, but you went into, no, no, it's good to, what I like is any type of one concept or idea to be said or communicated in multiple different kinds of ways, because if someone didn't get um, the intention or, or the idea be behind what I was trying to say, you followed up with with some more cues so well mainly kind of led me there was the, the the back aspect i like it for the back pain aspect because when they have no no wall or any type of cueing surface to touch there it's it automatically brought me back to someone i was just working with like a month well before right before quarantine started where we used the wall because their back was starting to get super sore and aggravated and it just brought me back to i spent literally a whole session working with that cue and it literally solidified. So it just, I was like, fan, I guess like my mind was going there while Gabe was covering his point, but I just wanted to reinforce. Um, another, you, you mentioned something earlier. First of all, uh, you, you know that that tip must be good because it was mentioned twice. Uh, the tip's so nice. We gave it twice. Um, <laughs> I do like to mention there's a, there's a decent tool that you can use for checking yourself as far as what your torso is doing while you're so focused on what your hip's doing. If that is a new movement to you, you're going to be so focused on what your butt and your legs and your knees and everything is, is doing that you're going to kind of lose sight of your, your shoulder blades. You know, how far forward are those sagging? What are your shoulders doing? What's your head doing? Those things. So this is a tip for, I think it's actually originally intended for squats, but I've, adapted it to doing it for Romanian. So you can take a stick, like a broomstick, and hold it um, on the backside of your body in line with your spine, right in between your shoulder blades and pretty much in between your butt cheeks. Um, you can grab the stick behind you uh, at your lower back and then above your head, 
uh, with your hands, obviously. And then you're gonna focus on three main points of contact in your tailbone, right in between your shoulder blades, and then the very back of your head. Uh, there's a little, nod uh, yeah, a little nodule back there, a little, a little bump um, right above where your spine connects to your skull. And if you can go through this hip hinge movement while maintaining all three points of contact, then you know that your torso is staying in a neutral position through something that is a strict hip hinge movement. Because this is, like Jonathan was saying, you don't want to strain your lower back. You don't want to be concerned about your lower back. And typically what happens when people hurt their back on a, on a deadlift or a Romanian or anything like this, it's because their spine is, is bending with the weight as opposed to resisting the weight and maintaining a neutral position. No, I think that's beautifully said. And I think if you can master, you can get really good at practicing these variations. We didn't cover a barbell squat or a barbell deadlift. We just gave you basically a lot of the regressions that we would use that are still highly effective exercises when it comes to hip hinging, which covers a lot of your glutes with your hamstrings. And you want to do some knee dominant movements um, like this far as a goblet squat or um, a squat off a bench or a lunge or any type of uh, Bulgarian split squat. All those will cover a good chunk of your lower body, especially starting out. And if you can practice and perfect those, you're only going to only going to get really good at those and pain free, but you're also going to be making some muscle building gains from there. So definitely don't, um, don't take them lightly. They are very, very applicable, even when you are even advanced at the advanced level. Um, I wanted to transition over to the upper body. Uh, pr probably one of my go-to back movements uh, for someone. I, I think that one of the favorite ones to teach, because I know the back is one of the challenging ones, is the muscle, like the hip hinge. You don't feel, you don't look at your hamstring when you're training, unless you have like a weird setup of mirrors. I'll be very like concerned how that, what that looks like but you you with the back you're going a lot based on your feel so one i love to teach and i also feel like it helps anyone doesn't matter what your goals are is a cable row a cable row is super easy to teach to set up and it's very safe for a lot of people so uh, I love the cable row just because I know a lot of us already deal with forward shoulders. Um, I'm kind of rounded a little bit forward as I'm podcasting just because I'm just hanging out, reaching towards the mic, but it's a good way to really challenge that opposite side where you're going to bring your shoulder blades back. You're going to uh, focus on really good tall posture and you're able to just uh, strengthen that, uh, that pattern. I, as I said that, I feel all of you guys did this and like puffed your chest out. <laughs> Because we all get caught in that. So it doesn't matter who you are. Mike's just like lat spreading me right now and just showing <laughs> his massive, massive width. But no, so when you're doing a cable row, you can do it with multiple attachments. You can do it with handles. There's other ones that are kind of like a triangle, like double handle fixed position. But the main thing with a cable row, you want to stay, keep in mind, is you want to stand up nice and tall in that, with your arms or lengthened position. You want to keep your chest nice and tall. Another thing that people tend to do is they want to lift their shoulders really high, like they're going to touch their ears because, you know, they're trying to stabilize the weight. You want to go light enough where you can keep those shoulders pushed down. And when you pull back, you still don't want to allow those shoulders to creep up. You want to pull elbows straight back. And what I like to tell a client, especially when they're starting out, is I put my finger on their upper back in their spine and tell them to pinch my finger um, as they're with their shoulder blades. And that's going to usually put them in a nice... Um, comfortable position where they're getting that back to contract and flex. 
And then we just obviously repeat. I let them do them a couple reps, but it's something to keep in mind is bring those shoulders back and down. Those are one of my go-to back movements. I don't know if you guys have any ones that you guys prefer. No, those are uh, a cable row is basically, or any kind of variation of a row is what I like to go to. And um, I primarily look at three points. I look at uh, same thing like you said, Jonathan, their shoulders, are they shrugging their shoulders? Are they keeping, no, they should not be doing that. They need to keep it down and back. Um, that's one. Um, two, as they're pulling the elbows back, are the elbows both going to the same point? Like, or is it exaggerated where, you know, you can get more range out of one arm as opposed to the other? So that's, that's, that's two. And the third is what I like to do is kind of like what you said, is I just put my hand um, uh, in their, in between their shoulder blades on their spine and just say, try to envision that you want to pinch my hand. And just getting those three points right there, um, that kind of gets them to connect to this movement into the right way or training it the right way. Because um, what you don't want to do is you, you've seen that where you can find your shoulders aren't shrugged, your elbows are good, um, you get the same range from both arms, but you're not squeezing your shoulder blades. So you're really not um, performing the correct movements. You're not working the right body part that you want to work on, which would be your back. So um, those, those three points together are, are what I use. Um, I use either, like I said, I might start someone with, um, or I use this as a good um, a, a priming movement for someone. If they have issues with rounded shoulders, I get just some bands. Um, that's typically where I start people with um, before going onto any kind of machine or cable, is I just get some bands um, or even dumbbells for a single arm. Uh, I use the bands just to kind of, just to kind of gauge, uh, do they have this control? Do they connect with this movement? Um, from there, I can assess if we are able to progress to um, either a cable or um, a barbell. No, probably cable before the barbell. Um, or do we need to stay here, just kind of reemphasize this type of movement a little bit more? Uh, what do you do, Mike? Um, I honestly, I go, I go to cable rows uh, first. But um, for the sake of covering this, I will also throw in lat pull downs. Um, just because I know that pull-ups aren't necessarily viable for everybody right now. If you do want to get into doing pull-ups, the best way, in my opinion, is to start practicing lat pull-downs to get the idea of what you should be doing and then going and practicing your pull-ups because the only way to get good at a pull-up is to do pull-ups. So, but with that in mind, for a lat pull-down, um, you're going to be doing the similar motion as a pull-up. It's just the fact that the bar is moving instead of you. So the thing that I see just about everybody do in the gym when they're doing pull downs is they let their shoulders shrug up as the bar, you know, uh, as they grab the bar, their shoulders are shrugged all the way up and sometimes forward. Um, or you'll um, see the opposite where they, uh, they almost like don't let their shoulders um, come back at all. The, the shoulders are still forward, but they're down. Um, but the big point here is that you should be controlling what your shoulders are doing uh, throughout the entire range of motion. So when you go to get set up on a lat pulldown, uh, you grab the bar, sit, sit down, and then I, I always like to have my clients uh, let the weight take their shoulders all the way up just so that they can kind of feel what that feels like. And then I tell them to keep their arms straight, but pull the bar down. And it usually takes them a little bit of time, but eventually they pull their shoulders down. And then same cue as you guys, I put my finger right between their shoulder blades and say, pinch my finger. Now they're in the right position to go ahead and start pulling the bar down. Um, 
you're going to aim for the top of your sternum slash where your collarbones meet, somewhere around there, right below your chin. And I'm going to have you focus on pulling your elbows instead of your hands. So if you pull your hands, it's going to turn into some sort of bicep dominant movement. Um, your hands will follow your elbows. So just focus on the elbow. Um, I like the elbow cue a lot just because the elbow cue applies to all the one, all the exercises. It can be a dumbbell. It can be a barbell. It can be a black pull down. It can be the cable row is like a lot of times I'll tell you pull and lead with your elbow is the main thing because most, we know that most people will tend to kind of like keep their elbow almost locked in their, their shoulders locked in place. And they just pull with their arms, their hands. And then they feel that they say, they, they'll tell you, I feel that a lot is in my biceps. So you, when you're doing back, you want to really lighten the load and just, Focus on these, slowing the tempo down where you're so, you have so much control of the weight and just even close your eyes at some points and just really try to get connected to your back. The back is one of the hardest ones for the upper body to teach, especially when you're starting out. Uh, it does take having some type of muscle in your back developed. I think that makes it easier to cue, but the, all these tips are phenomenal regressions and can as well be used if you're advanced as well. Uh, real quick, before we go, um, move on. Or I think you were going to move on um, to Mike's point with the with the lat pull down. Uh, two things that I that I see um, all the time, or two issues with someone that's not doing it properly, would be with their wrist. They kind of like start. They they try to bring it down, but then their wrist starts kind of like bending, or, or they start you know breaking at mm -hmm. the wrist. Um, I tell people just to one, just to kind of keep your wrist straight to prevent that because. It, it kind of happens because with the whole, if you shrug your shoulders, if you round your shoulders forward, it usually pairs with bringing um, the weight down and you, you know, breaking at the wrist in order to kind of get it close to you. Because you, you think like you need to get this, get the bar as far down as possible. And they're doing those two things in order to achieve that idea. So I tell people, one, just to kind of keep your wrist straight. Um, and then two, um, keep, this is where you really want to really um, emphasize on sticking out your chest and squeezing your back, right? That those two things would kind of go hand in hand. With um, if someone were to squeeze your shoulder blades, squeeze your, your finger with their shoulder blades, they're gonna stick their chest out, right? Yeah. So um, one thing that I would do with 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 the with the client is as they're coming to, as they're bringing the bar down, I would stop it about maybe at eye level. And I, and I tell them, okay, here, the bar is here. If you want to bring, if, if, if you want to bring your chest closer to the bar, what would you do? And they would naturally, you know, stick their chest up. Right. So, and I'm like, this is what you would want to do when you bring it all the way down. Phenomenal tip. I think that's really good visual, Mike. I do want to add, stop, uh, stop doing uh, lat pull downs behind your neck, please. Um, I, I know, you know, it's, it's got a place, but most of you, uh, you, you don't have the shoulder, the shoulder mobility to be, to be doing this. And, uh, it's not really good for your neck. So stick, stick to the front of your body, please. For me. <laughs> I think that, um, Mike says this with the most, uh, the best intentions because he's suffered like some neck injuries and stuff. So yes. he, he knows about, he has like one of the best postures I've seen walking and doing certain movements. It's like literally like the little the models that they'll use for textbooks. That's Mike, <laughs> Mike's frame. Um, I wanted to kind of move over to some pushing movements, a little bit of chest with some shoulders, just some little to easy takeaways that people can, can use um, just because I wanted just to keep it where we're not using the barbell variations. We're using very easy, 
even some people, some of these stuff don't even require a lot of equipment. If you're home, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, obviously the lap pull down is one of the few ones that, but if you have bands, bands are also applicable to this. So just to keep that in mind for the cable movements, cable lap pull downs, cable rows, you can use bands if you have some, but for the push for the pushing ones, I'm going to go super basic on this one and I'm going to use a push up because a push up can be regressed all the way down to using your knees or if you're if that's even challenging you can go on against a, a counter if you're at home or you can use the only function of the smith machine that i see worthy <laughs> use it to set it up height wise for you to do an elevated push up i know i'm going to get a lot of like hate on that but i hate seeing squats done on a smith machine i think it's it's it takes it, there's no carryover unless you are so freaking advanced that you have all your big rocks covered and you're adding just isolation to the quads and you're doing like a hack squat version still like there's the only place but most people are not using it for that reason they're trying to use it for a squat but that's another tangent for another episode but um uh, real quick i like the the squat rack or the the smith machine is good for three things one like you mentioned a, a regression or progression, excuse me, regression or progression for of a push-up. Mm -hmm. um, two, same thing, but with a body row. Mm -hmm. okay, so you just flip it around. Mm -hmm. And then three, as the towel rack. Yes. So. I, I like to lean on the one at our gym. It's a, it's a good spot to lean. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my go-tos. is a traditional push-up. You can throw so many variations to a push-up. A lot of people do a basic push-up incorrectly because it does require a good amount of strength upper body-wise. Um, a lot of key points to keep in mind is just don't uh, flare your elbows out like you're doing an uh, like a T. You want to keep your elbows even with most most of my pushing motions for chest and shoulders. I never recommend flaring the elbows out super wide to your sides. Like if you if you were standing straight, you would just vision someone handing uh, having their arms out, and it looks like a little T. So you want to make sure that you kind of tuck them in a little bit. They're about, what, 45 degree angle yeah. on that, 60 degree, 62 degrees. I don't know. But you just want to have them semi-tucked in that they're not, your elbows are not touching your sides, but they're not super flared out. All this is going to do is just ensure if you have shoulder pain or if you're starting out, you're not going to mess up your shoulders. This is just a nice, safe way to really progress your chest and you're, 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 preventing any future aggravations mike um i'm gonna go ahead and switch up to the shoulder press because that's my second favorite one to do um but that's um actually you know what i wanted to say this kind of to the point uh that we covered with back um all of these all these things that we're mentioning are all compound movements it's all joints more than one joint moving in tandem to complete whatever task we're, we're having it do so um, in a chest exercise, in a back exercise, the two joints that are moving are the shoulder and the elbows. And everybody gets so focused on what their elbows are doing and what the weight is doing, they lose track of what their shoulders are doing, which is the other joint, arguably the more important joint in any of these movements. So it's always important to worry about posture and what your shoulders are doing relative to your torso, to your neck, to your elbow. Um, but with that in mind, shoulder press, there's something amazing about putting weight overhead. And with that one, I actually learned from my fellow uh, co-host uh, how to do these properly. Cause I've been, I, I did these wrong for, for so very long, but it's 
from a standing position, you are going to grab the bar just outside of your, or you know what, let's do it with dumbbells. So you'll grab some dumbbells and you're gonna hold these dumbbells uh, slightly outside of your shoulders. So I don't want your elbows to be super flared, kind of like what Jonathan was saying for the push-up. I also don't want them straight out in front of you. You wanna find somewhere that's a very natural feeling for you. Um, before you start uh, doing the actual shoulder motion, or shoulder press, sorry, I want you to squeeze your butt and tuck your ribs down into your shorts by bracing your core. So don't actually like bend at the waist or at the spine, but brace your abs, tuck your ribs down, and then squeeze your butt. So this is gonna get you in a very good place to generate power up. From here, you are literally just going to be pressing those weights straight up without clinking them together at the top because that's technically resting. And then from there, you come right back down, but don't go all the way down. You wanna drop the weights down to where your elbows are just below your shoulder line, and then you can press it straight back up, keeping your butt and your abs tight at all times. Now, I know you're wondering what your butt and your abs have to do with your shoulders, and at 10 pounds, 15 pounds in each hand, it's not gonna feel like it's doing very much, but if you ever wanna bench, I'm sorry, if you ever wanna shoulder press like 135 pounds, you're gonna need your whole entire body to help you do that. Or if you ever wanna move anything impressive overhead, it becomes a full body effort. So that's where we start to work on those cues early so that when you do get to those heavier weights, you already have that down as muscle memory. You don't really have to focus on it as much. It's just how you do it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so for the for the pressing movements, uh, going back to the chest press, um, I really like that um, the use of the regression core the, for the Smith machine. I prefer a counter or a Smith machine um, regression for a push-up as opposed to a knee because I feel like that can lead more to, or you can you can you can progress it a little bit uh, better because I feel like the difference between a knee a push-up on the knees and a standard push-up or regular push-up is vastly different as comparison to when you're using the Smith machine and you're kind of like bringing it, you know, bringing down, down or a counter and, you know, you're um, lessening the angle of your body in comparison to the floor. Um, so just for, for another option, what I like to use actually is I like to use an incline um, uh, dumbbell press. So I prefer the incline because as opposed to the flat bench, I think I, even myself, I barely, flat bench. I think I primarily just incline bench um, just because I like the, it naturally sets you in a good posture movement or, or for, for the, for the movement, right? Mm -hmm. So you would, here you would want to have a little bit of an arch in your back, right? You would want to maintain contact with, um, with your shoulders on the bench. And that's the key thing that I would, that would focus on, on someone here. I give them the dumbbells and I say, okay, they press them up. Love your cue of not flaring out your elbows. I tell them to um, to tuck them in a little bit, um, not so much where they're basically touching your um, your ribs or your chest because uh, that's more like more tricep dominant, but just somewhere in between, somewhere where where it's natural to you. Right? Uh, what I like to focus on is as they press them up, I tell them maintain contact with the bench and your shoulders. Don't you know round your shoulders forward or pick your shoulders up off of the bench. And that's, um, that, that's where I, I, I have them focus on. Uh, you're saying something like, no, okay. Um, no, I'm just resting my hand. Uh, yeah, no, for, well, I just wanted to add there, uh, this applies for male and female clients. 
uh, for my male clients, I love showing them my, you know, experiences single-handedly just because I, I feel that for guys, we, we focus straight on flat, which is still a phenomenal chest exercise. But the reason I prefer and I'm biased towards the upper, you know, an incline variation is just because one, it's a little bit more comfortable on the shoulders. This is for, from a pain and correctional standpoint. Two, it's easier to teach. And three, a lot of men and women, we lack development in the upper chest. It's very, it's, it's not, if you don't program it in, it can be overlooked and it can feel like it could give a lot of amazing shape aesthetically uh, for men and for women, but also it can also uh, aid when you're trying to correct a postural thing. Um, you want to have muscle supporting you on both ends for, just for, for health, for wellness there. So I think that's uh, the my reason. I love that Gabe brought this one up. If he didn't, I definitely would have uh, chimed in on the incline dumbbell variation. And then progression to that, once you get more comfortable with handling good weight and your balance is good, a barbell a progression is phenomenal as well. Continue, Gabe, sorry. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, it, just, it just helps teach us. Uh, the client gets into a, a better position there. Um, it kind of helps with the whole rounded shoulders, right? Because you naturally would, would, would have to, when you sit back, you have your, your, your shoulders in a, in, in a better position. And um, like I said, what I focus on here is just as they push their, the, the weights up, the goal isn't to have the weights get as close to the ceiling as possible, right? It's more like to press to, to get a full range um, with your chest. So that's why I, I want to always maintain contact of your shoulders with the bench, and that is the cue that I uh, uh, that I focus on when I'm when I'm doing that. Um, I like I said, I just like this this movement a lot personally. I think since I since we've gone back to the gym, I don't think I've even done flat bench. I've done incline press now like right, three times. I I just I, I really enjoy that that movement. Um, but for me, um, but I, this is where I go to to teach clients. Um, uh, for any kind of chest movement, male and female alike. If you are someone that has a problem uh, engaging their chest, um, one thing I've found that works very well, of course, like Gabe is mentioning, you got to establish that shoulder position. Um, but once you get that down, you can do this on a flat, an incline, it doesn't really matter, a fly, push up, anything. Um, anytime you're going through that pressing motion with your chest and your shoulders are in the right position, you can imagine trying to touch your biceps together in front of you on any of those planes of motion, that'll get you the squeeze that you're, that you're looking for out of the chest. And then as you come down through the, the negative portion of the exercise, the, the chest will naturally kind of stretch, keeping the shoulders in the same exact position. So that's one that I've always like helped use uh, or helped my client use uh, as, a, as a good way to get their, get their chest involved. Because sometimes you're just not aware of it. But Absolutely. And it's like everything. You need to establish the the connection, the feel, it's easier to kind of start focusing when you can feel it. If there's, you're not feeling any of these areas where you're training, then you just definitely have to, there's obviously other things that you could be doing to correct it, but that would be like a two hour episode. And then it would also vary so much that it would be very hard to like take away which one is for you. But this is the benefits of having a coach or hiring someone that's going to be able to look at your body and how it's moving and but these are just some simple ones you can take one or two from each zone and kind of build a small three to five exercise workout that can take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes um, the goal is just to be able to do this uh, with proper form where it's so perfect 
and then obviously progress in weight and then progress in certain exercises. Um, Gabe, you're going to add something else there. Um, yeah, just just for, to to what Mike was was talking about. Yeah, that that's something that I that I would like to do. Um, so as someone has in in uh, the the dumbbells in the extended position, right? Then what I do is I were to get my hands and put them kind of like on the inside of their of their wrist and and just tell them, okay, try to touch the weights, try to get the weights to touch each other. Obviously, my hands is there preventing them from doing so. But I'm I'm um, aiding in that squeezing feeling that Mike was alluding to, so that's what I like to do. And and kind of like to your point, John, this is uh, why you would want to hire a coach um, to give you these tips, right? Because if you're there by yourself, I mean, you can kind of like visualize it or say it in your head, but it's hard to put these things together, especially the one about the um, about the back, um, unless you have something, unless you're going to tell a random you know a random stranger, hey, can you put your your finger on my back so I can squeeze it, right? It'd be a little bit weird and awkward but um it can be done but um it, it's just another way that it's very important to to get a coach um to kind of help you through these movements and to protect these movements because once you get these down packed then you know you're you can just be on your way and and you'll be perfectly fine to build your own kind of program or workout on your own after you've mastered these yeah john oh mike i mean i felt like mike was there uh, uh, th- this this is nothing educational for anybody, but you mentioning that little trick of putting your hands on the inside of the arm and, and having them try to touch the you, – you just gave me PTSD flashbacks to when I was still training with Jonathan. Uh, well, I, I'm technically still training with Jonathan, but back in the day uh, when he would just fucking pick on me because he could, he would have me do that with flies, uh, or I would be doing flies, and he would put his hands there and remove that last little bit of range of motion and fucking resist my arms like a dick. <laughs> it's just you brought me back dude i i forgot completely about that and uh, I, don't, I don't know that i'll ever forget it again <laughs> so i kind of wanted to share with the listeners i'm gonna take a note of pen and paper um i i probably mike scared you away from me but um, <laughs> but it's like now look at him he's like he he learned and now he's able to apply it and teach it in his own way which he does a phenomenal job but i kind of want to finish off with some just like a quick little like rundown for someone that's listening that maybe wants to take away a little bit of a workout is grab a pen and paper pause this episode once you're ready put play again but let's say for a three-day routine just a lower upper and a full body day uh for the lower body i would recommend goblet squats with a dumbbell three sets, 12 to 15 reps. Exercise two would be just be a body weight um, back step lunge. You know, you can do about three sets of 10 per side. The third exercise for your lower body would be a dumbbell Romanian deadlift, three sets of 12 to 15. Those would be your three exercises just for your lower body. And this can, you can obviously progress the weight. I like to do three to no more than four exercises for my legs. So that's for a lower body day. Day two, you can do it almost back to back or space it out, but it'd be an upper day. It'd be a, a dumbbell incline chest press with uh, three sets of 12 to 15. Mind you, all these exercises are about 12 to 15, uh, three sets of 12 to 15. Exercise number two would be just a single arm dumbbell row. Just monitor that three sets of 12 to 12 to 15. Exercise number three would just be a standing shoulder press. Um, like Mike was alluding to just being mindful of a weight that you can control for about three sets of 12 to 15 reps. 
Now, the last day, I kind of combine it with maybe a little bit of a full, a full body day where maybe you spaced out, you know, a day or two in between that you want to go ahead and finish your week off. It's a short full body day where you're going to be doing starting off with some Bulgarian split squats, about three sets to 12, 15, um, do some body weight push-ups, three sets till reps till failure, basically where you can no longer perform the, the push-up modification of your choice with proper form. Then I would insist on a cable dumbbell, I mean, sorry, a cable row. And uh, same thing, three sets of 12 to 15. Simple, three exercises per body, just covering all the main zones for your uh, for your body, it's super basic, but you can still get so much out of this. This workout is, shouldn't take you more than 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how long your warm up and your rest in between sets. Ideally, I would recommend 90 seconds in between extra 60 to 90 seconds at least while starting. You don't want to rush through these like a superset. Uh, pick a weight that's challenging. If you notice that you're able to start, and I put quotation marks like start right away you're probably not lifting heavy enough for your body. So that'd be just a short sample routine. You can go back and kind of listen to those, uh, put pause, jot them down. I'll probably just send Mike this little list if he wants, and you can put it into the show notes and you can copy and paste. Try it out. This is a very basic routine, but very functional. If you're just getting back into the groove, the goal is not to make you super, super sore where you're so banged up that you cannot perform the next day, for example. So that was just something I had prepared ahead of time uh, for this for this uh, podcast episode for some basic exercises that you can do at home or if you have access to a gym, phenomenal. If you have any questions, if you liked this episode and you're new, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss the episodes. If you like this episode and you want to go ahead and share it with a friend, please do so and rate it and give it a five-star rating and a review. And if you guys want to follow us on, actually, before I even plug us, I kind of wanted to let all the listeners know that thank to you guys for supporting us as this far. This is over our, this is our 31st episode that we're dropping today on Memorial Day, but also we are finally trending on the charts in the fitness podcast uh, world or realm, which was super awesome. We're in the top, we're 155 right now in the rankings which is awesome. We're super stoked. I didn't even know we were going to be make the two top 200. So um, thanks to you guys. This is all the ratings and reviews that we've get you guys have given us to this point. So that's super valuable and important. And we appreciate you guys tuning in, downloading the episodes. And with that being said, I'll go ahead and just follow us at the next level show page. We're going to be dropping some of these videos that we talked about at that at the next level show you can follow me on my personal page at john alva seven gabe is at prime and glory and mike is at mike nellis pt welcome to the next level show a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life hosted by jonathan alvarez gabriel Contreras, and mike nellis we hope you enjoy this episode